When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome back to the Hockey News Podcast, presented by Ben and McKenney. I am Mike Stevens. This is Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how you doing? Pretty good. How's it going? Pretty good. You know, it's it's a shame when we go in here uh, for this podcast and nothing's happened. Yeah, really. They're just we're just <laughs> grasping at straws. Yeah. Uh, the NHL has been kind of a desolate wasteland, really, when it comes to news. The doldrums. Um, yeah. Dog days of the season already, yeah. like what three, four weeks in. Um, obviously, we're being facetious and and sarcastic. We got you. How you fell for it? Um, obviously, the Boston Bruins did some crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, they signed Mitchell Miller, uh, the the controversial, if you want to call him, the convicted criminal, uh, Mitchell Miller. He was convicted in a juvenile court when he was 14 uh, in 2016. One count of assault, one one count of violating the Ohio uh, Safe Schools Act for basically a year. Uh, that it was just the the one incident he was convicted for, but he um, sort of enacted a a. a years-long campaign of torture, really, against a uh, of racial, physical, mental, everything, of a, a black and disabled um, stu- uh, a classmate of his. Uh, the Boston Bruins thought he was a good person to bring into the organization. They signed with a three-year entry-level contract with the maximum level of term, average annual salary, and uh, performance bonuses that they could. They tried to sneak it by on a Friday. Did not work that way. Um, the, the hockey world exploded. And within, within 48 hours, um, first of all, they, they also didn't contact the family. They didn't contact, um, at least from what, what we were told from Gary Bedman, they didn't contact the NHL, but there seems to be conflating uh, uh, sort of info on that that we'll get into. Um, they, they basically just decided to go rogue with this. They, didn't con- they, they contacted their, their leaders. The leaders said they didn't believe in it. The coach wasn't included in the vetting process. Yeah, they went ahead with it. The entire hockey world shamed them into basically terminating his contract or, or it, parting ways to the point where they were, they will likely terminate it in a little bit. Right. We, everyone is, has sat here and, and, you know, said about how ridiculous the situation is, how embarrassing it is for the Bruins, how, how just irresponsible it was for them to do this. You know, we, we don't need to sit here and, and add, add to that. It's mm-hmm. already been done. Mm-hmm. What we want to do here is, is sort of go into the next steps. Yeah. What's going to happen? Cause this is a relatively unprecedented situation where a team signs a player and then two days later, they essentially say they're parting ways with the player. Mm-hmm. Um, that player didn't do anything uh, uh, from the time he was signed to, to the time they, they said they were parting ways to, to, terminate, to terminate a contract. You know, like Vander Kane, the way that his contract was supposedly terminated was that they claimed that he violated COVID protocols and all that, and mm-hmm. um, or the Sharks did last year. What are the next steps here? Because we have the Bruins saying they, they're parting ways due to further information coming, or new information right. that was revealed. Right. Um, even though we don't know exactly what that new information is, it's assumed that it's that that um, the, it's assumed the new information is that the incident that he was convicted for was not the only. It was not an isolated incident, mm-hmm. which then that knowledge is being public knowledge for years now. Uh, since he was drafted by the Coyotes and ultimately had his rights revoked. Yep. Um, so it's tough. It's a difficult leg to stand on there. 
Um, then we have Gary Bettman saying that they were not consulted, and yet then Cam Neely, on the other hand, in his press conference on Monday, said that uh, actually before that they con- they consulted Bill Daly. Um, so it's it's wondering what the NHL is going to be there, and then also like the Players Association, if this if this uh, contract is voided or if this contract is terminated, they will file a grievance. This is this is far from over. There are a lot of steps, a lot of here, a lot of things that are going to play out here. What what? Where does this thing go moving forward? Yeah, and, and I think the the most newsworthy thing we're waiting on is the actual termination of the contract. Yeah. You know, Mitchell Miller would have to go through waivers first um, for the purposes of terminating the contract. And so until that happens, we're really in a holding pattern because, mm-hmm. you know, like legally and contractually speaking, you can't just say... Uh, we're walking away. I mean, there's a process that uh, the Bruins will have to go through. And, and as you mentioned, there's, there's an assumption that if they were to try to terminate this contract, the NHLPA would file a grievance, I yeah. believe, within 60 days, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's, it's funny because this is going to continue to be thorny. I, I'm sure a yeah. lot of people will say, like, oh, why is the union sticking up for Mitchell Miller? Their job is to stick up for everyone, everyone. Yeah. Um, and you know to sort of paraphrase *Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas*. Uh, even a werewolf deserves representation. Uh, you know if they are part of uh, this this players' association. Uh, he did sign a contract, and you know what I was interested in, and and we do not have an answer for this yet. Um, is you know he he had a signing bonus. Yeah. So did he get the signing bonus as soon as signed? he signed? I assume so, but it's not necessarily true from my understanding because signing bonuses yeah. can get paid out in different ways. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's on July first, for example. Sometimes it can be incremental. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure what that situation is, and you know could it be revoked? Again, this is all contract law. It's not necessarily uh, a fun thing for hockey fans to think no, about. It's, it's certainly not something that the uh, that the Bruins or the PA want to deal with, but well, they put themselves it's a business. And, they, and the Bruins, not even the PA, but the Bruins themselves, yeah. they may not want to deal with this. There was a great solution to how to not deal with this, and it was to not do it in the first place. Right. And to your point, the Players Association, there is a valid argument here that a lot of people are conflating that, you know, we're... we're Yes, the PA is going to have to step behind uh, this, but yeah. or step behind Miller here. But then people are going, well, why did they essentially leave Kyle Beach to fend for himself mm. uh, when this is going on? And yet they'll, they'll you know, take the back of this. And that's a valid argument. That's yeah. one that they will need to answer for. Mm. Um, th- this is, you're right, this is this is not going to end. Like, like, when his contract, or basically when his contract is terminated, it's not a matter of if, it's mm. a matter of when. They've already said they're parting ways. Yeah. Um, and you can't just sign a contract with a guy and then bury him. Can't just you know yeah. like that. That will then be another grievance that is filed. So the, the contract will be terminated at some point, whether that's legal or not. Um, there's still gonna be a lot of steps at play, and it just again goes to highlight that on top of this, like this is now roping in a lot of other um, a lot of other sort of actors in this who are now being being held under scrutiny. Like again, because of what Batman said, mm. it's that he wasn't consulted and yet then Neely comes out and says, Oh, we consulted with Bill Daly. Mm. Now we're wondering, okay, so it was the, this was a contract that was filed at, by the NHL. It was approved by the NHL. Mm. Why did the NHL approve it? All of this could be prevented by the Bruins, just not making a move that they really like categorically did not need to make. Yeah. And you know, again, we've sort of crossed the Rubicon yes. on yeah. that, but 
you know, it, it, it raises interesting questions, and um, I think what's interesting is, you know, for the PA, uh, again, going back to Miller, and, you know, there was, there was questions about uh, Beach and what he said and, and what he said to who and mm-hmm. what they could reveal to yes. the actual union leadership, um, but I, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who will say, like, why do you have to defend them? And what I would say is... You know, it's all about sort of gradients here. So, you know, a lot of people, most people outside of, you know, Mitch Miller's uh, immediate circle, whether it's his family, his agents, whatnot, I know a lot of people are very upset with what he did. Um, But if the union doesn't defend him, then what's the next rung? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, this is, you know, the union is there for the players to make sure their rights are upheld. So it's like, what if it's something not as serious you know, they don't get to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the important thing about having a union for the players. And we know, you know, dating back historically, they certainly needed it, um, you know, when they were first formed. But having that advocate that will be for you no matter what is important because, um, you know, like I said, there's different gradients of, of what happens. And you don't want to go down that slippery slope of, well, if somebody does something, you know, slightly outside of the lines we're not we can't defend them yeah so you want to make sure that you have just a blanket policy and i mean to me what's interesting now is what does mitchell miller decide to do next so i don't get the sense that he wants to make it easy for the bruins to say just terminate his contract because i mean just thinking out loud technically he could retire and I'm not sure what the I, I'm not sure what the contractual uh, fallout of that would be if that would you know if that would help out the Bruins. I'm not sure why you'd want to help them out for that matter. Um, it, it doesn't mean he can't play hockey professionally. The KHL's always there. Oh. Um, you, know, you know that's next destination. Yeah, because even when there was talks of him joining the Providence Bruins, uh, I did see that. Uh, AHL commissioner yes. Scott Housen said he would want to talk to Mitchell Miller before anything happened on that regard. So, you know, I, I know there are people out there that would say, well, is he never supposed to play hockey again? No, he can play hockey again. He can play pro hockey, but he doesn't have the right to play mm-hmm. in the NHL. It's a privilege to play in the yes. NHL. Um, so I, I think that's a very important distinction to make. It is, yeah. It's also like, and again, you know, we're not going to rehash the thing, but like, to everyone who is to everyone who is saying, like, what this is a guy who made a mistake when he was fourteen. Mm-hmm. Like he, this is he has never shown any remorse for this. You know, he has never, <clears throat> like, like the in the court documents. I looked them up myself. They're publicly available in the court documents. The judge who convicts him says in in her sentencing sort of remarks, "I don't believe you feel any remorse for this. I don't believe you you feel that you've you've impacted this person. I believe that you just feel sorry for yourself." Years have gone by. He's been drafted, had his rights revoked. You know, Elvis has never apologized or reached out. And the only time he did was, was you know, in the week leading up to his signing where he DM'd uh, his victim on Instagram and, and said, you know, hey, sorry, man, basically. And said, I'm also not apologizing because this will help me get back into hockey. And then a week later, he got back into hockey. So I want to make that very clear that, like, this is not a... This is not a, a this is not cancel culture run amok. Mm-hmm. This is not that. This is someone who who displayed a pattern of behavior throughout his entire adolescence, 
never made any remorse, never took any steps to, to be remorseful, never took any steps uh, uh, to contact his, the people he wronged uh, to make amends. And now is expecting to take to to you know have the privilege of, of earning millions of dollars in the in the most lucrative and, and, and top professional league in the world. Mm-hmm. That's not a right. That's a privilege. Clearly, he has not earned that, and he will likely not play in the NHL ever. I mean, I can't see another team signing themselves up to deal with this. Not at this point. Exactly. No. So I just we just want to make that clear um, that 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 is that is the situation here. Uh, the, the players association is going to have to step in. And, and defend them because, like you said, they need a blanket statement. They can't they can't pick and choose because then that that leads to you know it's a slippery slope. It's a very slippery yeah. slope. So we get that. Um, but at the end of the day, I think I think the the resolution here is that Mitchell Miller will not be playing in the NHL and will likely never. And I think that's that that should be at least in in, in the context of this situation a suitable outcome for now. I think I think that's great. All right, moving on to actual hockey. I love talking about actual hockey. Yes, you. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're not playing very well. This is a this is a this is a team that is struggling massively. Mm-hmm. They're four six and two, seventh in the Metropolitan Division. They have ten points. They just lost to Seattle. Ah, man, this is not this is this team has not been playing very well. And you know, they, to be fair, this was my team that I picked. Uh, it's my team that I picked to to, to take a step back this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is going on? Well, you know, it's tough. And it's funny because this has been a team where we've kind of been waiting for them to fall yeah. off uh, for a couple of years now because they are, you know, uh, they do have an aging core, albeit an aging core of Hall of Famers. Are you saying you've been praying on the Pittsburgh Penguins downfall? Never. Wow, never. Because I can drive to Pittsburgh. <laughs> so I, I enjoy Pittsburgh. <laughs> I like to go to the Grove City Primanti Brothers. I've never been. I really want to go. It's wonderful. Because the Grove City one is like four hours, four and a half hours mm-hmm. from Toronto, so it's perfect. You stop there for lunch, then you get to Pittsburgh and went 40 minutes. Is Permanente worth it? Like, is it, is it worth the hype? I think it is. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Although, I trust I, your food level of hype. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Level of hype. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but anyways, so, yeah, I mean, you still have Crosby and Malcolm. They're still playing quite well. Yeah. But overall, you know, special teams have been a big problem for them. They have. Um... You know, you look at the defense core, it's having some struggles. Chris Letang, a minus seven on the year. He does have seven points. Yes, but... But... But those have now been washed away by the by seven. Minus seven. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and goaltending, it's been slightly below average. They've, they've a collective 8.95 save percentage. Yeah, and if you look at goals be... saved above average... Yes, both Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith are kind of like minus two, minus one. So, you know, it, it, mi- minus zero point five, minus zero point two. Yeah, maybe it was goals against ex- goals yeah, against expected. Goals save, goals save above average. Yeah. They are goals and goals allowed percentage. They are above hundred. Like it's mm-hmm. they 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 are not playing very well. Not playing very well. Yeah. They're they're not the worst in the league, no. but they're certainly not the best. Mm-hmm. So, and and again, they're in a tough division. So it's it's tough because. Other than the fact that they haven't had a lot of prospects to bring in to the fold over the past few years, it's tough because when you have Crosby, Malcolm, Latang, you want to go for it. And Absolutely. you know, Jake Gensel, you know, as soon as they get to the playoffs, Jake Gensel turns into a monster. Uh, so you got that going for you. They've been able to bring in free agents, you know, pretty consistently at. Or, I should say either rentals or uh, you know guys that uh, they can bring in as wingers at the trade deadline. They've done that pretty consistently oh, yeah. over the years. Um, 
But at some point, you know, you can only, your windows are only open for so long. And I mean, we've seen this before. Usually it's been because of injuries and Pittsburgh's gone into a bit of slide and then they pull out of it. Mm-hmm. Because again, they get excellent coaching from Mike Sullivan. They do. And they have an excellent culture there where it's next guy up. Oh, yeah. But at this moment, they're blowing games. They're, they're not doing the little things right. And they, they got to pull out of it because, again, you, you, you just can't get too behind in that Metropolitan Division. So I look at their – you're right. Their, their, their special teams are a big problem. You know, their uh, – the power play percentage, it's operating at 20. The league average – or 20, 20% just average. League average is 22.07. So they're, they're pretty far behind there. The penalty kills the biggest is the biggest issue here. Yeah, I think it's, it's 26th in the league. Yeah, 73.17%. Yeah. And then you look and you go, okay, so the penalty kill is really, is, is really hurting you. And what was one of the biggest trades they made in the offseason? It was dealing away John Marino. Yeah. You know? And, and now, he's playing – Excellent now. <laughs> he has been like the missing piece yeah. for this for this devil's blue line to yeah. bring them and take that next step. Yeah. There are it, it was I think vibes really do matter for a team and re-signing Malkin, re-signing Latang, even just like re-signing Rust to the deal, like he based on his last couple of years, 5.125 million, that's a that's a bit of a discount for Ryan Rust. People were expecting him to command six, six point five game for that is really good. And then also re-signing Ricard Raquel. Yep. Um, which I think was maybe somewhat unnecessary based on, you know, like, like the fact that he was like a rental and you seem to have guys that get, you know, like good, good wingers, but Hey, you got him, you know, $5 million, that contract might not look that great in a couple of years, but still, mm-hmm. yeah, this is a very, like, this is a very slow team. This is a very old team. Um, it seems to be missing that sort of like, it's an old team in that, like, I would say the biggest sort of like high level addition that you have got was Jeff Petrie, mm-hmm. who's 34, yeah. who's been riddled with injuries in the last couple of years. So is Latang. Latang has been riddled with injuries the last couple of years. And then you're forcing guys like Ryan Dumoulin, Marcus Patterson, um, to take up bigger, to, to take on bigger roles. Jan Ruda, I think what it, you know, is, is a good player, but he, mm-hmm. he worked really well in the, the Tampa system, yeah. Tampa structure. Maybe he won't work as well here. And then, and then on top of that, I think like there was no reason to sign Casper Kaplan to the two-year, three point two million dollar extension that you gave him. You know they were healthy scratching him last year. He is, it, it, you know, he was maddening in Toronto before he left. And then, according to every Pens fan that I can talk to, and every Pens media member I talk to, he is just as maddening, if not more, in his second stint there. Um, there's just a, there. This just seems to be a team that is. You know, led by some really high quality talent. Crosby is just as yep. good as he's ever been. Yep. Uh, you know, like Malkin's performing very well. So is, like you said, Chris Letang's got seven points. Um, you're not you're not looking at Chris Letang to be your shutdown defenseman. You're looking at him to, to operate and transition and yep. uh, from the back end. But this does seem like a slow team, kind of a plodding team at this point. Um, can they get out of it? Yeah, and Again, you know, we've we've seen this show before and they they usually do. Yes. Now, playoff success has been rather fleeting it has, lately. For a team that has gone for it every year, yeah. that has spent all the draft capital they have, yes. all the prospect capital they have, they haven't have they made it out of the first round? It's been f- several years. Yeah. I know that. Um, because I know the Islanders took them out a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but it certainly is at the point where you still have Crosby and Malkin, so you can't Rebuild? No, you can't. No. So you, I, I think, unfortunately, they're just kind of in this space now where they have to play at the string and be like, if we can do it, we'll do it. But otherwise, you know, like you can't, like you can't really tear it down because you're never going to be a basement team when you have Crosby and Malkin no. in the lineup. It's just, it's just not going to happen because again, players don't tank. 
Hall of Famers certainly don't tank. So you're always going to be at least, like, at worst, you're mediocre. But the question is, how long can you afford to be mediocre before you have to say, okay, well, we need the next generation to start to take hold. And, yeah. and right now they don't have that pipeline because they have been going for it. So it's, it's, a, it's a vexing situation. It really is. And it's not just that, like, this isn't the last dance scenario. They have all of these players signed for at least three more years. Mm. Crosby, you know, his contract comes up in 24, 25. Malkin, they just re-signed for four years. Latane, they just re-signed for six years. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, like, this is their, their you know, older core. I mean, it's going to be there for a while. Like, so you're talking about how they can't rebuild when you have these players. Mm. Well, they, that means they're not going to be able to rebuild for at least another three years, if not more, depending yeah. on all these, where, where they all are. And like, like we said, for a team that has sent out all the draft capital they can, uh, you know, as much as they possibly can, all the prospect capital they can too. You know, trading guys like Kalen Addison, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that for for older guys and Jason Zucker. You know, they sent a second round pick out for Ricard Raquel. Like just all of these moves, they haven't gotten out of the first round in a very long time. If mm-hmm. I believe, maybe even since, uh, like, have they gotten out of the first round since they uh, since the Capitals sort of like toppled them in the second round to to win their cup? I don't think so. And that was twenty eighteen. Yeah, maybe not, because, I mean, the last of the Rangers, the last of the Islanders, a couple of times. So that's four years. Yeah. You know, like, that, that's a long time for a core with, led by Malkin, Draws and Latang to not, to not mm-hmm. do that. That's, that's uh, difficult. I think, you know, like, like in, in Pittsburgh, the temperature is getting very difficult, like, very chilly. It's, it, you know, like, the fan base is really rowdy right now. They're right. not happy. Um, and I think that should start seeping into more of the – you know, like the national, uh, because we haven't really been noticing it, but mm. like this is a team that hasn't, that is, is the most all-in team, I would say, in the league. They mm. haven't made out the first round in four years, and they, they just started a, a season after re-signing all their older injury-prone stars. They've, start, they, they've started out, you know, four, six, and two, and they're yeah. second last, in their, if, or last, I believe, in their division. It's, it's tough, man. It's not looking good. Yeah. The only thing I can think of, I mean, Columbus is probably below them. Oh, yes, Columbus yeah. is, yes. Uh, the only thing I could see is if they are out of it by the trade deadline, if management goes to Crosby and Malkin and says, look, we're going to try to pull an L.A. Kings here and, you know, switch around kind of fast, you deal a bunch of other guys, you know, veterans that can help playoff teams yeah. for draft picks, like or prospects. I, probably good if you could get a top end prospect, yes. There's somebody that like could help you blue out, chipper, yeah. like an actual blue chipper that can help you out in a year or two max. Yeah. At the least, get a couple of high end picks. You know, at least another first rounder. It'd be great if you get a couple first rounders, and then maybe come draft day, you trade up to get as high as you can. Because this is a great draft. Oh, this is a king. They call it a kingmaker draft. Yeah. So if you can get, and and hey, I mean, there's always the possibility if the Penguins get into the lottery, even if they're not the worst team in the league, they could win the lottery. And then how how, how funny would it be if they got Connor Bedard? That would be insane. Yes. Um, but as it is, you can say to yourself, okay, well, if we can get into that top 10 at least once, mm-hmm. and then maybe get, you know, like maybe have another sort of mid round pick. You could get a player who, in hopefully two, three years, can already start to impact your club. And at least, you know, then Crosby and Malkin can say, okay, well, there's going to be some short-term pain. We get it. But if we get a couple of blue chippers in here that can be that next generation, maybe we can still make one more run. I feel like they will do – they will look at, you know, let's say they're they're struggling a bit by the deadline. I feel like they'll do the opposite. 
I feel like they they, could. They, yeah. and, and to be fair, like for, we talked about how they deplete all their draft capital, they have all their firsts and seconds for the next three years, including this one. Mm. I wouldn't be shocked if they went out and they like took. And then keep in mind, this is Ron Hextall and Brian Burke we're talking about. Yeah. These are not guys who love rebuilding. These are guys who Very swing true. for the fences. Are I you saying Patrick Kane's going to Pittsburgh? <laughs> Maybe like yeah. I would, look, man. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, right? I, I, I hear you. If they realize, if they go and they go, like, look, our offense is not performing as well, yeah. but we have Crosby, Malkin, Latang. We, you know, like we have. I wouldn't be shocked if they if they're like, all right, we'll send you. We'll, we have a, we have our first and seconds, and you know, like their prospects aren't that great, but you know, yeah. like I don't know. They just don't have any prospects. Like Philip Hollander. Yeah, uh, like Owen Pickering, maybe like they have Ty Smith, who uh, is not really a prospect anymore, no. I guess. But like you can you can make some some sort of moves work. It's I wouldn't be shocked to see them to see them swing for the fences to go for it. Brian yeah. Burke does not seem like the kind of guy who likes to sit back and go, yeah, long term pain or short term pain is really my jam right now. I really want to do it. That's fair. That's fair. He's uh, not a timid man. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, speaking of teams that are struggling, mm. older plotting teams, I would say that are struggling. Mm. St. Louis Blues, man, this is a disaster. Three and seven, six points. They're last in the Central Division. This is, they just lost seven in a row, or six in a row, I believe. This is this is a really like this is a bad team. This is tough, and you know, again, a team that has won a Stanley Cup in recent years and still has a lot of those players, and obviously there is turnover. But you know, I, I look at this squad, and you know, uh, GM Doug Armstrong is. Uh, you know, talked about their struggles. I, I don't get the sense that Craig Berube, the head coach, is in trouble. He shouldn't be. I don't think he, so. Uh, I believe Doug Armstrong gave him like a very solid vote of confidence during a exactly. season availability. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think this is a coaching thing. But what I wouldn't be surprised, I, I feel like when you watch the Blues right now, it, it just it seems off. And oh, you're right, you know, like they're they're not fast and that's tough to watch. It's it's tough. Yeah. I wonder if this is the type of group that needs a shake-up trade, like a wake-up call. Yeah. Because and and I'll say this: they know they're not playing well, and oh, yeah. I mean they're professionals that, in that room. You look at a guy like Ryan O'Reilly; he's been through the wars on both sides. He's seen the worst of the NHL. He's seen the best of the NHL. So it's not a matter of these guys just giving up, mm-hmm. but something's off there. To me, I think you know. And I don't know if Doug Armstrong would do this, but you make a big trade. Maybe it's Braden Shen, yeah. who is a point per gamer, and uh, the player who, even though he's a veteran, he's got a lot of skills, especially come playoff time, that I think a lot of teams would like. Oh, he'd be an incredible deadline act. Totally. Yeah. So, and and again, it might not turn around the season, but you get a pretty good package for yeah. a player such as Braden. Oh, you Shen. get you get like a first round pick for Braden. For sure. Absolutely. And maybe that just sort of like it's a tough way to snap a dressing room to attention, but you got to do something uh, because again, it's it's not like you're in a position to rebuild. Like you have a you're bunch not, of veterans, you have zero cap space too. Yeah, no cap space. You just signed Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas to long term deals. I think the fact that they haven't played at the same pace they did last year is obviously a big factor because yeah. they were supposed to be the guys. To sort of take up the shield this year, mm-hmm. whereas you know your O'Reillys, your Shans, your Tarasenko's. I mean, at this point in their you know career arcs, they should be more your secondary guys. Yes. if you think about it, it just hasn't happened. Obviously, goaltending has been an issue, and you know we we knew going in Jordan Bennington, he could have been one of two very different things. He yes. could have been lights out, or he could have struggled. 
We're seeing the struggle right now. 86 save percentage, goals yeah. saved above average. We were talking about how, how Jari and, and the Smith are struggling. Mm-hmm. It was negative 0.5, negative 0.2. Binnington is negative 4.2. Yeah, yeah. He's he's down near the bottom. Um, you know, I know Elvis Merz-Lickens and John Gibson are, are struggling even more Elvis so. Elvis Merz-Lickens, in terms of, like, goals saved above expected, or, like, he is yeah. the next, I believe he's minus, I believe... The second uh, Gibson's the second last, and he's minus seven point one. Yeah, Merzlikens is like minus nine point eight. Yeah, there's a there's a big gulf. Yeah, exactly. Gulf. So I mean, for me, I, it, it's hard because again, you know, you believe in the coach, you don't have any cap space, uh, you just signed some of your best young players, and it's not working. The only thing I can think of, other than hoping that everybody just pulls out, you know, mm-hmm. of this tailspin organically is make a big trade. Yeah. Uh, the most underrated slow start in the league, most underreported slow start in the league, Ryan O'Reilly. Ten games, one goal, zero assists, minus 12. Yeah. Um, like, Jordan Kyra is a minus 15. At least he has, you know, he has three goals, four points in ten games, and he's also like a 24-year-old. Ryan O'Reilly, he's a pending free agent after mm-hmm. the season. That is, and this is not like it's. He's not banned. Like he's averaging eighteen point eighteen and a half minutes a night. That is a disaster. Yeah. Like if you look at, like for example, you would when you were expecting the 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 Tarasenko and Shen and, and O'Reilly to become is essentially what like Sagan and Ben have become on the stars. Yeah, which we will get into in a little bit with Jason Robertson. But yeah. like you know they and then they are sort of like upheld by the group Bayhens and Jason Robertson yeah. um, and like maybe like Guriano and guys like that and that just has not Joe Pavelski exactly but that just <laughs> uh, Joe Pavelski the guy's like a teenager he's 40 years old exactly. um, it just it just hasn't happened and when you have a guy like like Ryan O'Reilly who is so important to your team he takes mm. he takes all the important draws he's really a penalty killer he's a guy who's on the power play too that that's a disastrous start nothing offensively and he's on He's you know he's, he's on for twelve goals against you know it's that's that's pretty rough. Um, another again another team that is struggling the Ottawa Senators. DJ Smith. Uh, so I believe Pierre Dorian had had you know all these teams they have their their state of the union you know panic GM media availabilities right, right. and uh, and and Pierre Dorian said you know DJ's our coach it's not even a, I don't even need to give him. A, a, a vote of confidence. Right. He doesn't need that. He's right. our coach. He's our man. Yeah. Um, how dare you for even <laughs> for even bringing that possibility up? Yeah. Um, but four and seven, they have eight points. This was a team that went out and remade their roster pretty pretty direct, like pretty drastic. Yes, losing Josh Norris is a big deal. Yeah. But Claude Giroux, Alex DeBrincat, you know, you bring Cam Talbot, who is now coming back from injury. Mm. Uh, you re-signed Anton Forsberg last year uh, because he, he gave you a lot of good stuff, and you're expecting to be better than he was. This is a disaster in Ottawa, too. You know what? I, I think disaster's okay, a little I'm... strong because I, I do factor in no Cam Talbot for the first yes. month-ish of the season. No Josh Norris, who yeah. ostensibly, you know, Either your number one center or, you know, your one You take a 30-goal score off the team, it's going to have an impact. Exactly, especially down the middle. Um, Again, coming into this season, we looked at Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo as three teams that wanted to take that next step in the Mm -hmm. Atlantic Division. All three of them couldn't do it at the same time, unfortunately. No, you're right. Right? Detroit, off to an amazing start. Buffalo, off to a great start as well. Buffalo is fun, man. Buffalo's so fun. Fun team. Yeah. So, unfortunately for Ottawa, it feels like they're going to have to wait their turn now. And, again, I mean, maybe they turn it around. But 
right now, it kind of looks like a year where, you know, yeah, it's still early, but maybe they're just kind of playing spoilers. And again, keep just like getting those reps, you know, get Shane Pinto as much ice time as he'll take on because I mean, I mean, he's been, uh, you know, uh, I, I would say a silver lining so far. You know, really NHL, NHL Rookie of the Month. Six goals in 11 games? Yeah, so yeah. you take the positives. I, you know, I think they're getting Jacob Bernard Docker with Thomas Shabbat. Yeah. That's Sorry. great. Get JBD the reps, yeah. you know? Jake Sanderson, it's his rookie year. Let him go through the fire. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I know Sens fans were hoping that this would be the year that they would contest for a playoff spot. Maybe they still can. I mean, things can go up and down in this division. But if it's not, at least get everybody on the same page, you know, playing hard at the end of the year, playing spoilers, and then you look at you go into next year with healthy Talbot, healthy Norris, you know, more Jake Sanderson, more Shane Pinto, another year of development for Brady Kachuk, and then maybe next year is your year. That to me is sort of, you know, the... I would say the best case scenario is that they go on a big winning streak. Mm-hmm. But if you can't have that, it's not going to be your year. At least make it another development year. And, you know, unfortunately, they'll have to be patient. But I don't think DJ Smith can be faulted for anything he's done. Yeah. And I, I like I like Peter Dorian just stamping it out. Be like, no, he's my guy. Yeah. And DJ Smith has been a great coach for them so far. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know he can develop talent. We've seen it at the junior uh, level, and uh, he's been great for them so far. So I, I think you let DJ Smith continue to do what he's been doing, and you know you chalk it up to sometimes you just it just doesn't happen. DJ Smith, I think, is being great a great uh, a great coach to develop talent. Mm. This is the year where they were supposed to take a step, mm. and it hasn't really happened. I think that is worth sort of questioning. Yes, we've talked about all the caveats here, but like. You went out and you got a superstar like Alex DeBrincat. You went true. out and you got Claude Giroux. Drake Batherson, you know, you re-signed. Brady DeChuck is re-signed forever. Tim Stutzla is re-signed forever. And yet, you know, like you, you're getting good production of Tyler Mott, a guy that you basically signed to to you know, a one-year deal on like the day before training camp. You know, he's got seven points, eleven games. I think it's I think it's fair to question at least, you know, like maybe not his job security, but fair to question like, okay, we know that he can develop talent. We know the players like him. We've seen that at every step of his career. He was voted like the most likable sort of like assistant or, or even just coach like around the league in the player pool. Mm-hmm. He was like the only assistant coach to get that sort of that nod. So we know that like he's a player's coach. We know that, that it works out really well. But this is supposed to be a year where you take a step. This is supposed to be a year where it's not about development. Mm-hmm. It's about improvement. Yeah. And that that really hasn't happened. So it, 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 I think it's fair uh, to question that. There, Debrinkat having two goals in eleven games to start off is a bit of a bit of a rough sort rough go. But I mean, they have a really good core in Ottawa there. Yeah. The defense, you know, even like like Sanderson and Bernard Docker are going to be good defensemen. Mm-hmm. They need time to, to marinate. You have Shabbat; he's a very good defenseman there. Goaltending is going to be interesting with Cam Talbot and, and Anton Forsberg. But you know, you're right. Maybe they need to wait their turn. And uh, Buffalo and Detroit seem to beat them to the punch on that. Exactly. So, and then again, it's also it's early. It is eleven games in. Maybe they maybe they go on a crazy streak and we look like absolute fools. Maybe, maybe. we will hamburger too. Absolutely, we shall see. Um, last one here, Jason Robertson mm-hmm. is just an absolute is going absolutely crazy. He <laughs> uh, he's he this guy's a star. He's got eight goals, 10, 10 assists, eighteen points in twelve games. You know, yes, he's not even shooting that crazy, shooting seventeen point eight, which is somewhat online with where he is and what sort of like big stars 
what big stars uh, go for. Like, just let's just let's just gush about this guy. Yeah, and the reason that I wanted to talk about Jason Robertson uh, because he was obviously he was very good last year as well. Is I know some folks out there be like, oh, I can't believe they got him in the second round. But what's so interesting to me about prospects is that you know when Jason Robertson was in the OHL, skating held him back. Yeah. And it's really tough because, I mean, that is one of those things that you can improve, and he's obviously put in the work yeah. uh, to become a better skater. But it's kind of funny because when you're dealing with teenagers, there's so many factors. A lot of it is just actual physical strength. That can be one thing where... And he's at a least, lanky guy. Yeah, and scouts will look into that and say, you know, I, like they were saying with Logan Cooley last year in his draft year, it's like, this kid, he's already a great great skater, but once he gets more lower body strength, he'll be even faster. Uh, with Jason Robertson, uh, I think he was he was fairly big in junior, mm-hmm. um, but it was like, yeah, the, the first step's not there, so, you know... It's a sort of a risk-reward scenario, and you, you know you hope that a player will get that that improvement, but you, you don't know for sure, and hence him going in the second round. So, I mean, good on Dallas for looking at his body of work and be like, this kid can score, and he knows where to go to score. Mm-hmm. He's got the instincts. He's got the release. So if, you know, if he can put in the work on the skating, we might have something there, and that's exactly what happened. Does it always work out that way? No, unfortunately it doesn't. But Jason Robertson did the work. He saw what he needed to do to become a star in the NHL, and now we're seeing the fruits of those labors. I mean, we saw it last year as well, but now we're seeing him lead the stars. And again, I feel just like lately, when you look at Dallas, their scouting department, um, you know, the way they develop players, you know, they had, I think, two of the three... CHL players of the year last year, like OHL player of the year, yeah. Wyatt Johnston, WHL player of the year, Logan Sankoven, Maverick Bork, I think was the playoff MVP in the queue. I mean, that's just like wild for one organization, but it speaks to that group and what they're able to see and what they can, you know, they can hone those teenagers into young professionals and they're reaping the benefits, particularly with Jason Roberts. One one question that's off topic from a Jason Robertson perspective: um, Do does do the the, the stars let Wyatt Johnston uh, go to the World Juniors this year? It's a good question. I'm I'm, per, I'm perplexed by it, especially because we're going and covering it. Right. I would like to see Wyatt Johnston right. selfishly. So yeah, I, you know what? I think it depends on what kind of role he has once December rolls around, mm-hmm. where the stars are, and and honestly, it comes down to. What's the best for the player? Mm-hmm. And, you know, interestingly enough, um, at the Summer World Juniors, uh, Logan Stankoven, obviously one of yeah. the standards for Team Canada. So uh, I wrote an article about him for the magazine, and I interviewed Rich Peverly, uh, part of Dallas's development staff. And he was saying, you know, any time that one of your prospects can win either a Memorial Cup or a, or a Calder Cup, you know, that's great. That's great experience. Yeah. So. You know, a World Juniors, uh, you know, if Johnson could win a gold with Canada, that would obviously be great. But as it, as it is now, he's a pretty effective rookie for them. Yeah. He definitely earned his spot there. So that might be a conversation they have with him and say, look, you know, you can stay in Dallas because you earned it. Yeah. Um, and that would be great. Or do you think, you know, you'd like to go for gold with Canada, take on a leadership role on that team, come back after. There's no wrong answer. And, you know, there's 
there's upsides and downsides to it. I mean, if he gets hurt at the World Juniors, that's, then you're like, uh, that's a risk, yeah. yeah. Um, but you could get great experience at the same time. So I think it depends on what his role is, what kind of ice time he's getting once December rolls around. Yeah, I mean, look, he's averaging over 14 minutes a night, so it's not that's necessarily. Solid. Yeah, it's not it's not a it's not a Shane Wright situation where he's mm-hmm. like trapped in press box territory. They're not even using him, so it's like they're using him more now. They, I mean, a little bit, a little bit more, not as much as you yeah. as you'd like. But they're also a wagon right now. They are. Yeah, <laughs> look, man, I was saying that the the Kraken had a good off season, so yeah. it's uh, it's gonna be interesting. All right, let's go to mailbag. Mm-hmm. I am trying to find it, um, find the 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 questions here. I believe we, we tweeted it out yesterday. Yes. And I'm just killing time trying to find it. I know there was two. One was from Matt Boringer, and his question was about Phil Kessel. You got that one? Yes. Yeah, so if Phil Kessel went back in time and convinced his younger self to eat better and work out more, what would his ceiling be? That is what a what a disrespectful question. Just shit. You you keep his name out of your mouth, <laughs> Matthew Boringer. Phil Kessel is is a is is a saint. He's a saint. All right? Yeah. It's this is he, he's the he's the Iron Man for a reason. He's a two time Stanley Cup champion. Yeah. And you know what? In all seriousness, yeah. I would say I don't think he should change a thing no. if he went back down. He, Phil Kessel knows his body. He knows, like, clearly, I mean, the Iron Man, uh, but also he's played at such a high level for so long, and as you said, he's had so much success. He knows what he needs to do to be successful. Yes. And that is so integral for a professional athlete. Some guys never figure it out. Phil Kessel figured it out long ago, so for me, like, I wouldn't change a thing. Like, clearly, he found a way for him to, and, you know, people say, like, you know, again, we, we've, we've heard the stories we've talked about on the podcast before, where... You know, he'd kind of be hanging around the gym and somebody would challenge him to, like, you know, do curls or bench press and he would just knock him out of the park or leg press, whatever happened to be. And just go back to chilling. And he'd just go back to chilling. That's somebody that knows exactly what they need to do to be prepared. Some guys need a lot of rest. Yeah. Right? And they want to make sure they're prepared for the important moments. The coaches have figured it out that Phil knows what he's doing, so they let him to it. Phil knows what he's doing. And he's had a tremendous career, so I say no changes. Don't, me- don't mess with success. He asked his body what was best for it. His body said Coke on the bench. Uh, bottles of Coke on the bench, clearly that's worked. So there you, there you go. go. Um, this is from at open underscore ice underscore one. What can we expect to see from Marco Rossi after an okay-ish start with some side noises? Mm-hmm. Numbers are not there yet. He's up and down the lineup, whether that's unjust or not. Blame from the coach in that regard. What can we expect from Marco Rossi? Yeah, so this is a pretty interesting situation because I think expectations have been pretty high for Marco Rossi because he had such a great junior career uh, with the Ottawa 67s in the OHL, and he was a high pick. As we said before on the podcast, you know he did lose a lot of development time because of COVID, uh, had a great year in the AHL last year, but you look at the Minnesota Wild, and they're you know an okay team uh, right now in the standings. I know, um, you know they're not happy with where they are, with Rossi, he's, he's kind of in a bottom six role right now. And, you know, he is the type of player, because he has such a good two-way game, you can put him there. And, no, you know, he's not getting points. He's got one in ten games. It's not ideal. But, unfortunately, if you're Minnesota, 
you can't really try them out in too many different spots because you got to keep pace in that central mm-hmm. division. You know, this is not a team that's rebuilding. This is a team that wants to make some noise this year. You got Kirill Kaprizov right up top, yeah. doing big things. Matt Boldy has been great for them. He kind of came along before. Oh, that's my fantasy team. Thank you, Matt. There you go. You know, I, I think a lot of people, you know, probably a couple of years ago when they were drafted, thought you know Rossi would get to the NHL before Boldy. Mm-hmm. The opposite has been true, and obviously a couple of different factors there, as I mentioned. But you know, he's just going to have to struggle through it. And I would say, you know, if the Wild, uh, and I know they do have some injuries right now, but if the Wild look at this scenario and say, you know what, we need him getting big minutes, we need him getting his scoring touch back, get his confidence. Maybe he goes to Iowa for a couple of weeks in the AHL. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Uh, or they let him fight through it in a bottom six role. This is a team that is not deep down the middle, keep yeah. in mind. Yeah. No, uh, so they do need centers. Um, but you can't just toss him on a scoring line and, and hope that he figures out the NHL right away. Yeah. Um, you know, Coming into the season, I think he played two games for Minnesota last year. Everything else was Iowa. Mm-hmm. He's still learning the game up here. And you're a competitive team, so you don't have the luxury of letting him make a lot of mistakes right now. Uh, so they got to be careful with him, but at least they have options. And he, he lost a year of his development. That's his so big. Like yeah. that is, at, at that age, yeah. was, what, 18, 19 when that happened? Yeah. That's huge. That could be devastating to, to someone. He's, he's technically a year behind everyone that, uh, of his peers. And that's how you should look at it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you should look at him as, instead of, you know, in, instead of this, this guy who's coming in who's had all these years of marinating, he is like docking back a year in the draft, totally, uh, and and adjust your expectations, you know, accordingly. Certainly. All right, rapid fire. Now I have I have a couple here, just right. only a couple. It's going to be a short rapid fire. We'll okay. Happy rapid fire, but Good. I thought let's go. Let's do some obscure hockey trivia for you. You're, let's try. You, it. You've been in hockey forever. Yes. You, you know it. So let's do it. My first one is Ole Jokinen uh-huh. uh, uh, was traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes. Uh, in the in the 2014-2015 season, mm. how many games did he play for the Maple Leafs? Ooh, okay. So, I mean, I certainly remember being in the dressing room with Ole Okunen. It was a long time. I'm completely guessing here. I'm going to say 33 games. <laughs> he played six. Was it six? He, uh, got, he got traded to he got trade like he got traded uh, to the Leafs. Yeah, I believe um, in a Cody Franson trade. Sure, uh, and. And then he, um, yeah, I believe it was, he was included, like a salary inclusion. Mm-hmm. He played six games at the Leafs. He had one assist. Mm-hmm. And then he got traded to the Blues to finish out the rest of his career. And that was the last we saw him in the NHL. Gotcha. Interesting. Another one. This is a very, this, this one is very interesting. I actually saw, saw this one on TikTok the other day. It reminded me of it. So I thought I'd bring it to you. Um, who is the only player in NHL history to score a goal in a game he never played in? Score a goal in a game he never played in? That's fascinating. I have no idea. So that that player is Nathan Horton. And what happened here is the the Blue Jackets, he was on the Blue Jackets at the time. The Uh Blue Jackets and the Stars played each other in in 2014. Uh Um, That happened to be the game. And and they they played through the first period, and Nathan Horton opened the scoring. That happened to be the game that Rich Peverly... Uh, right. Unfortunately, had his, had a, a heart attack. Essentially, right. the, ice. the game was called, you know, whatever. But what they did is they 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 essentially postponed that game, and they, started and they played game. a full game. But they so they played a full game, but they kept the score. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Nathan Horton was then placed in LTIR, and he would never play again. 
but he was still credited with a goal in that game. And so now he is the only player in NHL history to score a goal in a game he never played in. Well done. Very, very interesting. And I will go, when, another one is, at what year did the NHL start enforcing offside? Wow. Enforcing offside. So, I'm going to say, like, again, I'm just totally guessing. I'm going to say, like, 1934. You're actually close, 1930. Wow, yeah, there I you was, go. You know what? I was, expe- I was actually expecting it to be a bit farther down from that, like a bit, a bit farther on, because I mean, keep in mind we we had a, we had a two line pass rule for a while. You yeah. know, there was a forward pass rule for a little. Well, while. that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to go too far back because you can't go offside if you can't pass forward. So it had to be pretty far back <clears throat> because if you're only passing behind you, then offside would be nearly impossible. So, and, and my last question here, uh, it's good, you actually, you got very close there. You know, that was, by Price's right rules, you would have lost because you went over. Right. But, you know, yeah. then again, I'm not, I am not Bob Barker, so I'll let you slide. You uh, my last one is, so we've seen in the, in the World Series, uh-huh. a lot, and, and in the playoffs in general, a lot of rainouts. Mm. A lot of, and, and you would think with hockey, that that would not be the case when mm-hmm. indoors. What is the only, what, what game, there's only one instance um, in the NH- in NHL history, was a rain? Did rain cancel the game? Oh, okay. Because I was going to say there's the famous fog game yeah. between the Flyers and Sabers, and I know there's a power outage during another Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. I think Edmonton was involved there. Uh, this is rain. This is the game was called due to rain. Yeah, it must have been an. I, I'm going to say it was an outdoor game, like maybe a stadium series game. No, no? It was indoor. An indoor game. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know. It was in 1995, the Detroit Red Wings and San Jose Sharks met each other in San Jose, and it was such torrential rain that it, that it began to flood the Sharks' home arena, wow. and, they, and they had to cancel the game. Interesting. So, you know what? You, uh, I showed up. You showed up. That's you did, all I can you, say. You did it. And, yeah. uh, and you know what? Next time, I will do one of those games that, that you did with me. I, that was a lot of fun, so we'll do that. That brings us to the end of the show. Uh, I think another great, another great episode. Indeed. Loved it so much. Um, obviously, check out thehockeynews.com for all your lovely hockey content from Ryan and I and all our lovely writers. Uh, and, and check out next week when we do this all over again.